welcome to another episode of Top Lines and Tales, your weekly livestock podcast. And as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Harbro, for their continued support. This week on Top Lines and Tales, we go to Southern Ireland, all the way to Tralee in Tipperary, and uh, a man with top herds of Angus and Hereford cattle there, Matthew Golden. Matthew, welcome to Top Lines and Tales. Okay, thank, thank you, Andy. Uh, it's in Kerry, County Kerry, not Tipperary. Beg your pardon. That's my geography out the window. See, I, I, I'm trying not to think about Ireland after the drubbing they gave us at rugby on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's more to come. <laughs> Probably so. Probably so, you're right. Well, I wish you guys, Ireland, all the best of luck with that anyway. And and I believe that uh, you were an engineer originally, and then you sort of transferred into farming. Then when was that, and, and what, how did that come about? Well, um, <clears throat> I was born in 1965. Uh, I, I grew up in a dairy farm. Okay. I had uh, there were six of us in the family. I had four sisters and one brother. Uh, my my brother was older, and it was traditional at that time to the older brother stay in the farm, and he still is there, making uh, having a dairy herd. Uh, my mother wanted me to become a priest. <laughs> yeah. Some people say I would have made a good priest, but I'm not sure. Because uh, it was a nice thing to have, I suppose, in the years to have uh, a son at the farm and a son a priest. Sure. <laughs> so uh, I was sent to boarding school to get educated, uh, and I became a mechanical engineer. Okay. Uh, I worked in industry for approximately 19 years. But basically, it was all about kind of... Uh, Machines to the German company mainly, where they're making car components. Right. And my main job is a kind of a production manager, kind of implementing quality standards and machines and outputs and efficiencies and how much each machine contributes to the overall kind of a capacity of the of the whole units. And in about nineteen. Probably 1990, I think, maybe maybe thereabouts. The company that I worked with wasn't going that well, and uh, it was a German company, as I said. And it closed down, and we got redundancy out of it. In the meantime, God, you know, the previous maybe six or seven years, I was farming part time, and my dream was to be able to make uh, a living out of farming, which I suppose was a bit. Uh, Optimistic, but nevertheless, and I, I, I always felt that it'd be a privilege to be able to make a living doing what you love. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and obviously, as you said, you are now, but you do in a farm. I don't know how big a farm is there, but you do need to specialise in certain areas. So, what sort of size? Well, I suppose you moved into a farm with your wife Rita. I think you, you farmed together. Didn't yeah. You? Yes. Yeah. Uh, initially, I inherited some piece of land from my mother's side of the family, and. When the factory closed down, I got a good old ball of money from redundancy and I bought a bit of land. At the time, we had approximately, if I can remember rightly, maybe about 20, 25 cows, uh, mainly mainly Angus cows. We had a few cemental cows, but they were mainly Angus cows, pedigree cows. And the, the reason was Angus, I suppose, they were the most suitable breed for part-time farming in that calving is and ease of management. So gradually, bit by bit, we built up the herd over the years, and now we have about 100, maybe 110 cows calving every year. Right. 
Okay. Uh, and I mentioned you're one of the top herds in Ireland there, which you, you, you are. I mean, there's a lot of good good herds of Angus. We'll start with the Angus. We have a lot of good herds of Angus, of course, that they're in, in Ireland. But uh, the Goulding Angus herd, uh, when did you start that? Because I think there was a Dal- Damrina, would that be right, was, was, was start with? Yeah, it was funny, I suppose. After get married, we were married for a while, and then we had our first son. And I suppose, like most couples, uh, we, we thought we were the only couple ever to have a child. <laughs> so we were, we were besotted. So when we were thinking of a name for the herd initially, we came up with Darima, D-A-R-I-M-A. So our son was called David. That's the D-A part. The wife was called Rita. That's the R-I part. And Matt, M-A, so D-A-R-I-M-A. And then, as time went on, we had a son number two, son number three, son number four. So, we had to change that, obviously. (laughs) Are they, uh, your sons are obviously grown up now, I guess. Are are some of those involved in the farm? I know they get involved in the showing with you. At the moment, yeah, they have growing up. The eldest son, David, is uh, a protein scientist. He's living away. He works at uh, the company uh, Nestle, one of the biggest food companies, I suppose, in the world, I think. Uh-huh. So he's not with us at home. Uh, the next son, Jack, is a physiotherapist. He's working in London with NHS. Okay. So he's gone. Uh, the third son, Dara, is a primary school teacher. He took after the same profession as his mother, Rita, was also a primary school teacher. And she retired last October, so she's farming now, me full time. We get down all right. Okay. Uh, and the youngest son then is still in college, Kevin. And Kevin is the man really that's uh, helping out at the moment because he comes home weekends and time off and that. So we went from a full house, a busy, busy house, to basically myself, my wife, Rita, and Kevin sometimes and Dara sometimes. But uh, that's it. So. But uh, as your house got empty, your, your, your stocks of your cattle got bigger. And I know you do a lot of of shows you get out there on the show circuit or you still do i don't know but you're doing a lot of shows uh, every year and that takes time and effort and a team doesn't it it does it does now we did more when the lads were younger because they're very interested in it and uh, i also thought it was uh, a good way to benchmark the herd and we had the help and the lads and i always made sure that the, any prize money that was collected on the day that they were left keep it to incentivize them some bit that's a good incentive. There's some good prize winning some of those shows down there in Ireland. I know that for a fact. Yes, it has improved. I remember my most successful day was in the Iberg show. It was the first year that the Aldi gave the massive sponsorship. And it was a payday of almost 6,000 oh. on the one day and showing alone. <laughs> it was just to the market. And the money couldn't have come at a better time because... I think it was David that was just stopped in college that time, and uh, you know it was it was just um, it was such a good help. That's that's incredible to think you can earn enough money to get to get a start up way through college from uh, from being <laughs> at one show. They're definitely worth going to those shows. And I said you you did a lot of them, and as you said, a a shop window. But I know now you, you've moved on. You sell what forty fifty bulls a year round about there, would it be? Yes, between forty and fifty. Uh, they mainly go to the dairy herd. And I know that uh, you, you've done a lot of embryo work as well, and I think you've been selling embryos as well of both Angus and Herefords. We'll go to the Herefords in a minute, but you've been selling embryos as well, and that seems a fairly lucrative job there. Do you, do you flush those on the farm, or, or, or where do they get done? Yeah, we, we're fortunate that uh, we use Bovi Genetics to do the, the flushing, Eddie Lynch and his team. Mm-hmm. 
and they call to the farm. You know, we usually kind of make sure that there is enough work to justify it. You know, we might flush five or six maybe cows at a time. It may have 20 recipients set up. But uh, selling embryos is a big part of the business. Um, we sell approximately 100, 150 embryos every year. Probably in the latter years, there's more Hereford embryos being sold than Angus uh, for some reason. But it's probably because of the... I'm have pulled, homozygous pulled Herefords. Yeah. yeah. said, so we'll, we'll go on to the, the Herefords in a second. We'll just talk through the year Angus. But going back to those embryos, you are shipping a lot of those, I know, overseas. Into, I mean, you've got the luxury there in Ireland that we don't have in, in, in the UK of, of shipping those embryos overseas, sort of uh, export-grade embryos, and that would be a big part of the market for you, I think. Well, it is, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it contributes probably something like 50 or 20% to our overall income every year. Selling embryos. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, now it's slightly dropped a bit during the COVID years for the last was everything did everything slow down, but it's starting to pick up again. Okay. Uh, and the, the, there are some countries, particularly the Nordic countries, uh, it's very restrictive for them to purchase live cattle. Mm. So their only option really is to purchase embryos. And you're getting any of those further afield? You know, Australia, um, America, those sort of things. No, are those markets opened up for you. No, uh, my, my main market is, is uh, the Nordic countries, uh, UK, North Ireland, and so Southern Ireland. Okay. The okay. okay. And as I said, you show a lot of a lot of cattle, but you're still, even now, you'll still do, obviously, tell you more, but you'll do the All Ireland show there, and that's been a good stomping ground for you as well. Have you won that a few times? We have won several national titles, though, of, of, of various kind of descriptions between uh, best calf, best female overall champion, best junior female, best junior male. Not from time to time, almost every year, I suppose, we'd be home something, uh, which is, look, tis, we enjoy doing it, and it's a great networking, and it's, it's good to be out there because uh, it's we all need each other. You know, like, You've got to get past that canny old Albert de Kogan. He's a man to, man to take on. I've had him on the podcast here, and he just seems to love that show. <laughs> Albert is an amazing man. He just loves the show, and he just keeps at it, and he keeps at it, and he, he, his wife, Jennifer, mm -hmm. and they're such a lovely couple, and uh, they're always a pleasure to meet. Yeah. And he's a very important man for the breed, I think, because he's there always showcasing in from the smallest of the rural shows to the to the big days. Certainly does. He does a great ambassador. A, a difficult breed. man to compete with. <laughs> a difficult man to compete with. True enough. True enough. And I said you sell bulls. I just had a quick glance around. It looks like you've got a lot of bulls of your breeding anyway, standing on semen stations, both in Ireland and and. Uh, and, and you can across the world, I think, or certainly across Europe. A lot of your bulls standing in there, which is. Uh, Hey, that's that's a great advert for you for your prefix, isn't it? We have, I think it's fifteen bulls sold to AI yeah. mm -hmm. in the past thirty years. Mm -hmm. uh, now we sold a few to Cogent in UK, to, uh, which is a, a good customer of ours. That'll be and, uh, that'll be Boomer Birch so. coming down there picking those up, is it? Yeah, Boomer Birch is the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boomer Birch, big man in the Herefords as well. We've had him on, had him on the podcast as well. Just staying with those Angus a second, and you've got some very strong. Female families, that, you know, long-lived female families, but well-known female families. I see, there's a, a lady Heather in there and a Missy. You've got some 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 of the top genetics in in those families. We have we have, and I suppose why why families is the fact they grew up in a dairy farm. Mm -hmm. 
it was there really that that uh, the importance of cow families were, were kind of driven home to us from a very young age. Sure. You know, like the, we all, it was always said that the females will have to look feminine, they'll have to demonstrate good maternal traits, well-attached others, good teeth size, you know, all that type of stuff, butterfat, protein, uh, longevity, all that type of stuff, you know, which implemented it then in the when I started bee farming and just the same criteria, you know, it's just, it's just a secret to success. Uh, that's, that's, that's really how, how we see it. That's what's working well for us. Sure. And, and obviously some of those families are in demand. You'll keep a few followers, a few repeats to go back into your own herd, I knew, but those were the ones that people, those certain families that people want there. And is there the best a popular family in, in amongst you, which is the one that everybody's clamoring for? Uh, well, the Missy family is obviously, it is, uh, most people will recognize it as being a world kind of name. Uh, and we have the Tibby Cow family, it was also a world name. Uh, the home mid family is probably the Janes, Jane family, which would be the Jumbo Bulls, you know, we keep the name Jane, Jane would be the females, Jumbo would be the, the males part of it. Yeah. They'd be probably the three main, main families. Okay. And, and, and your... Oh, you're self-admitted that you buy a lot of AI semen in there as well as running bulls there. And again, you're picking off some of the top breeding bulls. I noticed there's a, a bit of Peter Pershaw being used in there in the past. There. He was a great bull, bred a lot of good females, didn't he? But you'll you pick your bulls from, from wherever you can. Yeah, we use a bit of AI now because it, it, it's a very good project, We I think, to continue to use some AI you know, for management and, and it's, such a, it's not possible to do all AI. Which, uh, so like it's when you have your own uh, kind of idea of what you want to uh, type of female type of animal to breed, sometimes it's not available in AI from time to time. You know, how I put it, a bull that has the complete package. So wherever I can come across a bull that fulfills the my desires, I suppose for for uh, prove the herd of the next generation, I I buy a bull. We we usually keep about three stock bulls. On the farm, uh, one one be kind of for the the cows, and then we do a durable for the the meat heifers. Uh, you know that's up to, that's up the way. And then if we, I suppose that there's a big a good point there, which uh, regardless what you pay for a bull, uh, and sometimes if you pay a lot for a bull, you're tempted to give a bull a second chance and a third chance. Uh, if like, I think the secret to the whole uh, breed thing is. Uh, Bulls sometimes just don't breed to expectation, and it's vital to identify that at the first crop of calves and, and just indeed, cut your losses. Indeed, indeed, and you mentioned the word there, improvement, and I think that's something that everybody looks to, but are you looking to improve all the time? Obviously, you're buying in, you're looking at growth rates and, and the rest of it, as well as the female longevity. Are you getting your growth rates up? Are you, are you, still, you still believe you're improving your herd with each sire? It's funny, you know, I suppose, uh, some people would probably disagree with me, but with my background of starting off with farming and then spending a good number of years with mechanical engineering and working with machines and I might have mentioned earlier about the you know, deficiency of a machine, uh, et cetera, et cetera. The same criteria to degree, the same kind of trail of thought. But funny enough, even without you really giving, giving it any consideration, it actually is built into you that that's the way cows have to be. Every cow has to be a, a, a machine in your factory, let's say. They are, they are your plant. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do, yeah. Uh, and look, sustainability is everything, isn't it? 
it's it's a must really. It always was there, uh, but now it's more important than ever due to the everybody being aware of climate and carbon footprint. So, idle cows, idle cows are, are definitely a no-no, and they're one of the biggest kind of uh, okay, the drain, we we'll say, of resources and, and adding to carbon footprint of farm. Unproductive idle cows, problem cows, mm. un- unnecessary oversized cows. Okay. If I should be drunk, and I do like to keep a cow to wean ratio, a calf to drunk. The cow weans a calf. There's a ratio roughly maybe to that a calf should be maybe somewhere between 35 and 50 percent of the of, of the of the cow's mature weight. Now here here with the ICBF, uh, just to talk about ICBF just for briefly, there there is a that the the fact that uh, most of the the bulls we sell and, and our main market in Ireland for the Angus breed is for the dairy herd, they have a dairy beef index. Uh, and the dairy beef index really is, as, as it suggests, is kind of like the suitability of uh, the bulls for use of the dairy herd. And of course, they, yeah, they, they monitor that many animals as well that you're getting some pretty accurate figures coming back in those indexes, aren't you? That, that, that's right. And I suppose, well, two of the main building blocks for the dairy beef index is the calving ease and carcass merit and weight. Okay. And they're very important, but they're the most difficult com- combinations to, to get right, if you, if you can imagine. You want calving is, but you also want a high growth rate and you want uh, a lot of beef. But if you keep focused on it and be selective in source and genetics, it's, it's quite achievable. Okay. There's one other thing too I mentioned that too, is that the age of slaughter index is becoming a thing to be able to combat, uh, we'll, we'll say, the carbon footprint, get animals slaughtered earlier. Sure. And uh, that age of slot index in November coming next next month okay. is going to be included in the dairy beef index. Okay, I've spoken to a couple of people on this podcast before. William Smith being one, Eustace Burke being being another there, and and talking about you know how accurate the figures are that are coming out the ICBF. And is there anything uh, um, being looked at in the way of feed conversion? I know uh, John Elliott's done trials as they have done in America on on, on feed conversion rates. Is that is that one going to come online? Do you think? It is, it is, it is, uh, going back a number of years ago, the Tully Performance Centre in, in Kildare. As we, we, we were all putting bulls into it, and it was a fantastic idea where all the bulls' performance performance recorders. Um, they changed that later years into progeny off of uh, bulls, okay. but they were taken in. So that's that's there, and uh, meat eating quality, um, which is a, a big thing. Like you know, everybody likes to have, get a nice, nice bit of meat, nice bit of beef. Sure. Beef is expensive food, mm-hmm. uh, and all the more reason when you do uh, get it that it's nice and uh, you know it's, it's nourishing and a nice eating experience. Absolutely, that's uh, that's essential. I mean, that's the that's the end goal, isn't it? Really, to produce that that that, that uh, best eating experience. But obviously, as you said, to produce it at a profit, and that's yeah, that's where all these indexes come into play. It's about yeah. making and making money. I've been making making as not enough money but making as much money as you can per cow as you said you don't want idle cows exactly exactly and you, and you know when you, when you have a relatively let's say uh, large herd and uh, labour is kind of as a premium you know it's very difficult to get people to to work and you know that sort of stuff you have to you just have to have good cows you have to productive cows the cows that can do it themselves mm-hmm. cows you know, that just don't give you trouble yeah Okay, uh, that, that ease of it, and, and obviously you take that into the other side of, of the show ring. Now you do a lot of judging. I believe you've been judging overseas as well, and sort of you look for in a cow what you're looking to breed yourself, I guess. Oh, exactly, 
exactly. And I, I do appreciate when I'm asked to judge, maybe, you know, I, at a foreign country, that I was asked for a reason just for, to put my input into it, you know, what, what I like. It, it, you know, it's, it's just particularly obvious in Denmark, it was highlighted to me that the reason I was asked is because my opinion as a, a, a successful breather was, 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 was valuable. You know, it's, 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 it's how, how do I put it? The type of animal I'd like to see at a show is probably what, what I, I would breed. And we, we all appreciate what we recognize, I suppose. You know, that's, that's one thing, isn't it? Uh, there is a little bit of, I suppose, chatter is the right word there, especially in America, that the people, the breeding animals for show aren't breeding the functional animals that are needed at home. And you know, there's, there's a little bit of that. You can get bamboozled by an animal being too overfit or too, too big or, or, or being the right sort that fills, you know, fills the eye. But uh, it's about... It's about a balance, really, in the show ring with with <laughs> putting functional animals forward so people can go away, and that's what they need. That's that's it, you know. And you hear people saying, "Oh, a particular judge is coming, and oh, that would be his type, and that animal he may not like." But when you when you are judging, uh, as we mentioned earlier, you have a type of animal that you like, you like to breed for. But in the showing situation, if you do see an exceptional animal good in lots of ways, may not be the animal you would have at home, you have just to put it up because, you know, it's, it's just an exceptional beast and, uh, and it deserves to be there. That's that's the way I see it. You know, I, I wouldn't be totally rigid on, on uh, this, the, my type, you know. But then again, like the, I, I, another thing too, the shoring, a bit of a style, presence of an animal, you're attracted to it. And you know, as a, a man said one time about style, you can't measure it. You know, you can't it, but it is all in the eye, isn't it? It is in the eye, and, and it's about uh, the way they meet you as well, isn't it? From from the front and that uh, and that presence and character that they have there. But as you said, you balance that up with the uh, with the animals that you want in your field. And if I go on to the the Herefords a little bit, the Golden Pole Hereford uh, herd there, and uh, um, again, top of the tree, and, and um, pretty much in, in the pole Herefords, and uh, going forward at, at, at a great rate of knocks too. I think. Yeah. Um, historically, in Ireland, I suppose going back to you know, even my, my father's time, and that put put me with children. Uh, it was usually a Hereford a bull that was used for the dairy cows when the in, uh, when the first round of simulation was over, and it was an Angus bull that was used for the maiden heifers. But as time went on, then, you know, it kind of changed a little bit for different things. But I often remember when I, when I was selling Angus bulls, and I had only Angus bulls, uh, and people say, have any heard for a bull? You know, and I said, no, we just don't know. So then it kind of hit me, me one day. I said, you know, I'm going to go to Herefords. I said, I'll just have a little bit of a breed on the sideline. Uh, well, not the sideline, but kind of a second breed. Um, for two reasons. One, I suppose, is because I saw a market for it. And the other thing was, uh, when you're 40, you have bulls to sell every year. And if there was a bit of a lull in the market for one particular breed, hopefully the other breed would... Uh, because usually if, if if one breed drops, another breed benefits mm-hmm. you know, from here. But, so, but you would be into... I don't take this the wrong way. I mean, the the, the, the pole Hereford and the Angus, the way you're breeding, the animals would be very similar, would they not be? I mean, your, your cows in, in your Herefords would be very similar to cows in your Angus, just a different colour, or, or is that unkind? Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. I suppose the, the obvious thing is that I I didn't deharm the calf since I left uh, home, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's say, because we did the Angus straight away. I didn't have a deharming box or a deharming machine or nothing. And... Um, so it had to be homozygous pulled. Uh, 
it just hurt me. I, I just couldn't couldn't consider anymore, for, particularly with the time to talk and the whole idea of it. So just doing research and browsing, and it, it Denmark seemed to be the place where I could, it was constantly drawn to for their, their how do you put it, their, their genetics, their, their new type of genetics, world easy carving type genetics. Um, and it, it Denmark and it still is one of the highest health health countries in the world. Like uh, you, you can go over bringing an animal from Denmark without any testing required. Okay. They are homes and free of all the diseases. However, they managed it. I'm not sure. You know, but, um, it, it, it was in so in 2008. Uh, Race myself hit for Denmark. Okay. Uh, we, we made a bit of a holiday out of it. We had I had a good bit of research done where to go and. We enjoyed it totally. We, we ended up purchasing eight females. In Denmark? In Denmark in 2008, from three three different breeders. And you run those in families the same as you do your Angus? I've seen your, your website there. So and, and most of your herd goes back to those originals, does it? Oh, yeah, it did. So that time we bought from Denmark, and then around the same era, we purchased a few from Scotland, Romany and them guys, and uh, a few from England, a few from Northern Ireland, the Duchess family from Dorpol, and a few from Romany. And we bought them all together. And well, also when I was in, in Denmark, I suppose, just for the, the, the lack of, 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 let's say, of availability, I suppose, of new semen, we also bought a purchase, purchase a consignment of semen from Denmark of various bulls. So that- bit by bit, and bit by bit, but the same kind of. Uh, train of thought and the same thinking we uh, built built a herd of Homozygous polled Herefords similar in type to the Angus the and how many do you run of, of Herefords versus Angus then uh, Matthew at the moment it's about 60-40 60 Angus 40-40 yeah yeah, okay. yeah the, the Angus is, is a strong number okay. so it's a strong numbers okay and uh, but likewise obviously using top herd size you know, in the UK and a lot of association with those and again with the semen centres but uh, interesting that you have got that Danish blood there that just gives you a little bit of of a difference because a lot of the blood in the Herefords and the Angus for that matter of course will be Canadian so uh, the, the fact that you're you're going away from that would there be some Canadian influence in the in the cattle in Denmark when before you got for when they first went yes 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 yeah 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 there, were, there would be and uh what, what was it what was it interesting and you know it's, it's a thing I see in a lot of herds I visit the all the cows seem to be uh more what I'd be looking for the progeny of them more so than the younger stock I feel that they're more my type, more what I wanted. Uh, so what am I saying? I suppose I'm saying is that uh, has modern cattle been a little have, have they gone too far one way that you know the, the, the North American look, the Canadian look, mm-hmm. uh, which it seems to have changed uh, to what it looks like at the moment. That's uh, but so most of the, the, the females that I did purchase in in, in down through the years, were from the older type cows. I suppose it was also influenced by the fact that when you visit a herd, you can see an older cow, you can see their daughters and their granddaughters, sure. and that's why it puts a bit of more perspective on, 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 on uh, what, what, what to expect. Absolutely. So what's, what's interesting about it, I suppose, what happened with the Denmark stuff and, and, and uh, the Hereford, the Paul Hereford, is that we mentioned earlier about the embryos, that uh, the people that I did purchase from, they are buying the back the embryos now off of off of really their own genetics but my twist in it with a bit of uh irish and uk blood mixed up with a 
you know, so it's, it's, they're coming coming back to where they started or where yeah where the origins came from. No, that's quite quite natural in in a lot of breeds, isn't it? But it's great to have that uh, have that market. It sounds like you got it fairly well cornered there a little bit. Can, can you can you explain one thing to to my listeners anyway? We see, but you have the number one after after a, um, an animal's name or in the middle of an animal's name. There, does that go back to the to the to the line one breeding, or is that why is there a one in the middle of the name sometimes? I don't think so. I, I think it was just a, a, a way that they uh, to identify it from the horn breed. But I do know that there's one and three. I'm not sure what two is. Um, so three would be, like, say, Gould Paul one is uh, Paul Hereford. But I know from my uh, visit to hers, there is, uh, we'll say, there's a tree there. There's some hers tree. And I think that goes back to the British or British polled that there could be a mix up of a couple of breeds in it. Okay. Um, okay. Some oh, I, I know some some societies don't recognise it. I don't know. I'll be honest, that's so much they know about it. I, I don't think it's anything. I don't think it's anything to do with line one breeding. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll 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 get that clarified. It's something that's always interested me. That's all. I just uh, thought we'd fire that one out there. And uh, you mentioned you know, again great families, and you mentioned uh, the Duchess there, and she's to. You've sold embryos to two thousand. Is that right? She's an absolute winner. That one, doesn't she, Duchess, and the Duchess line? Yeah, yeah. It was the, the definitely. It was it was a, a tremendous success story. Mm-hmm. Uh, we it, that was in the designer gene sale, wasn't it? Uh, it a few years ago, we, we we put up a, a three embryos and the and the <laughs> made two thousand euros a piece, which is mad. But uh, it's that's that's where it goes, I suppose. You know, uh, but. On average, look, most most embryos uh, sells for somewhere between five hundred euro to a thousand. Don't know. They're all about depending on the we we put it on, on the value of them. Let's say and, and had the interest in the various the matings and how how they're put together. Okay. Uh, but the Duchess, look, it, it, how we showed Duchess at the national show uh, in Tullamore, and she won, and her daughters won, and you know, so that generated a bit of interest. And, for some reason, you know, like the 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 sires we mate them with seem to enhance them from one generation to the next, and and they go bigger and better and stronger. Um, yeah. In two thousand nineteen, we had a very successful Hereford sale. Oh, it was in uh, held in Ross Cray, there, the 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 sale centre, and we had like forty heifers there, but twenty five of them heifers were exported to UK and Wales and Scotland and that. Okay. And that distribution is, I suppose, made it, made it uh, uh, the Goulding Pole heard the name sure. Strabber throughout, throughout, throughout the UK because they're, they're, they went down and their sons and daughters went down to do good stuff with shows and breed stuff again. So, so it all helps. That, that, that'll put you then, by basing what you just said on, on the, the, the Den, Denmark breeders coming back, that'll put you as a customer then going back to buy a bit of that genetics back yourself, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, de- 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 definitely. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know because so sometimes you 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 um, how do I put it? You you you've sold stuff and somebody else has done some something good with it, yeah. Yeah. something different with it than you have done at home. Mm-hmm. And to, that's why I love to go to there are places and to always of interest just to see, particularly your own, uh, other people's twists and, and and how how it developed. It is it is an education. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For all of us, you know. absolutely, you get out to the to the farms as well as to the to the shows, and obviously you travel a bit too. Yeah, with showing with judging Angus and and um, Herefords, you'll get a fair bit of travelling in the year. Gives you a chance to get to see those those herds, I guess. Yeah, that's right. I was uh, my my first big uh, judging job was was asked to judge the national pole show in Morton and Marsh, uh, yeah. and I judged the Royal Welsh, 
at the, at the Great Yorkshire uh, and several Irish shows. You know, um, I, I regularly help out at the, the, the EU Trading Day events in Ireland, and I, I did it in the UK too you know, at the finals. Um, I like doing it. Um, I, I, I love the youth. I think they're very important. Uh, they're, the, they're the future of all industries, really, aren't they? So without the youth, without, without the youth, we're, we're, we're at full stop. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, man after my own heart there. And I know you've had a training day on there. And I, I know uh, spoke to um, uh, John McEnroe, John and Leo McEnroe, getting involved in the, in the youth de- de- development as well. And it's a, it's a brilliant thing, you said. It just, we've got to bring these youngsters on. And the Angus Youth Development has a, has a, a benchmark for all the other ones to follow, I think. Oh, yeah. 100%. You know, and uh, just like I know, they they have to identify a few few of the top guys to go and represent uh, their country in uh, at the at the at the big at the big event. But um, there's several. You know, it's it's lovely to go to the these events and see the enthusiasm, uh, just to learn and want to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, know, but, you know, because you see in see some stories about uh, giving out about the youth. They don't do this. They have no interest in this. Like it's it's so wrong. If if you, if you like, for example, there's one in, in held in Shea Murphy's farm uh, this year now, and I was uh, a part of the training team, and there was 45 kids there, wow. children there of all various ages, and, and uh, it, it, it was I, I, I came away from it feeling uh, such an honour to be uh, their their leader for the day, let's say, and uh, and and to to just wonderful that they were so interested to what I was saying, and just uh, just to learn from it and. Sure. This is great. And I know there's recently been the, the, the finals of the youth development, which was at Angus Stovold's uh, um, farm down there in, in uh, Surrey, yeah. and uh, just recently, and uh, yeah, tremendously represented from all over the all over the corners of the country. And, and, and just going to go on more recently now as well. I think it was last November that uh, you broke the the breed record, I think, for a, for a heifer called Ravette at uh, twenty twenty two thousand euros. There, so uh, congratulations on, on on that one. Thank you very much. Yeah, she was a, a special one, no doubt, uh, even for McCarth. Um So she was never to be sold, really, I suppose. Don't you know, when you admiring this calf. And then I got into my head that I will offer uh, a half share of her mm-hmm. at, at the genetic gym sale, which if which, which you, like, the fact that I'm familiar with embryos and embryo collection, uh, I, I owning a, a, an animal fully is is, is not is, is not as as necessary. Let's say once you've accessed it. Sure. But um, the half share made uh, the, uh, the the person bought it uh, the book Palm McGrath down there in, in, in Cork for his for his herd. Uh, she made eleven thousand. But after, after afterwards, he would be happy until he got the whole lot of it, and reluctantly it was. The money was also a big temptation, you know, just to leave far off. But we did, we did kind of agree that uh, we would share embryos at some stage. Okay, you know, but it was twenty-two thousand. He took the whole thing, but you've you've still got a, access to to uh, to get some back in there. If, uh, if, if yeah, the time is yes, 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 okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's. I suppose for for the for the person we call it when they invest in you and they invest in your genetics. Mm. Uh, it's, it's very important, and I do make a big effort to keep in touch with with the, the customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm always willing to share genetics. You know, if you give me one of these, I give you one of them, and you know, we can be, it's um, sometimes you hear you know people talk about exclusivity and they want to buy exclusivity to a particular cow family, and that it's it's not a good idea because uh, the more it's out there, the more people recognise it, the seat is good. Like it's they're not quite having something good at home, and nobody knows who have it. True, 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 true. And I'll mention a bull, Gold Spice. I think he stands at, at Cogent, doesn't he? Doing very well for you just now. 
Yes, he did very well. And uh, the next ball then was uh, Stockman, which did better again. Okay. Uh, which uh, there are there's a lot of uh, great cows off him, great show winners. Mm-hmm. And the most recent ball then is Gould Paul Wood Duncan. He's off with the mentioned uh, the original Duchess cow. Okay. Uh, so he's the next exciting thing oh, oh, over the water there that uh, we'll probably will see a lot more, more of us. So he's gone where, Matthew? Cogent. Cogent has them, and there is uh, semen available, I think, and both, both uh, conventional and sex female. Go, sex female. Loading Paul Duncan, okay, you have everybody just getting get a look, get another look at him, give Boomer a shout and see if you can get some semen off that one. Uh, that's great. And we'll just move on to this recent weekend. I know you're just back from the. Aberdeen Angus uh, extravaganza down there in in, uh, in Turl, and, and um, uh, you had some entries in there as well. I mean, a great event there, but I think you did fairly well. You had a draft in there of Angus. Yes, we had a draft uh, of 12. Um, this is the second year of extravaganza. Uh, last year, John McElroy of the list heard had, had a draft, and this year I was asked would I be interested, and I was. So we put 12 of our best forward. Um, and they averaged very well. Throughout the twelve, they were at the end of the sale. I suppose uh, the fact of the draft, uh, you know, you were small but apprehensive to see will will people wait for them. But thankfully they did, and, and they sold well. The twelve averaged around four and a half thousand with a top of eight thousand one hundred. So to Pat Tahan, Pat and Finbar Tahan of the Shankill Hurt. Oh, that's nice to hear that Pat's still investing in new genetics there as well, and we didn't. And no, that's brilliant. And, and it was hey, a tremendous effort, I have to say. And would they be yearling heifers just in, no, two year old heifers just in calf, would they be? Yeah, the t- 10 of them were in calf to uh, our, our junior stock bull. We got the purchase from uh, Johnny Doyle of the Drumhill Herd, mm-hmm. uh, which is, that's the second, we'll, we'll say, uh, crop of pregnancies from them. He's proven easy calving bull, which is very important, I suppose, you know, just go for the first time heifers. And two within at uh, 11, and, 11 and 12 were uh, the peak of the maiden heifers, which said the spring-born 2023 calves. Okay. Okay. Uh, one, one actually sought a, a breeder in the UK, and the other's gone to Portugal. Okay, excellent. So they're, they're back on the farm again uh, for further testing. We have to keep them for retaining for so many days, you know, just to comply with the, the, the laws. And uh, so, so senior Albert, the extravaganza, with, um, there was the, the day when it got better. At the evening time, there was a dinner and a function uh, where they were giving out the, the awards, the prize giving for the, the National Hearst Competition. And uh, I was delighted to, a good day was made better when I was awarded the best uh, national overall large herd in Ireland for 2023. Congratulations on that. You're in good company there. I know Eustace Burke had won that, I think, in the past, and there's a few people there. In fact, Shane Murphy did invite me to come over to that weekend. I was looking forward to it, but unfortunately, we were at, we were at the rugby getting our ass kicked by you guys. But uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, and what sort of numbers did they get? I, mean, I suppose all the breeders from around Ireland, but I mean, that's, you know, it's tremendous that you get that to get that award. Yeah, so initially it was, uh, it set out, got back maybe July, July, August, that here time, uh, where uh, a team of judges went to, to, from province to province, from Munster, Ulster, Connacht, Leinster, and judged the, the small herd, the medium herd, the large herd, and the best cow family, the best stock bull, and the best spring heifer, and junior, etc. And then when that, when the top, the same herd from East Province then was chosen, uh, more judges then went out, uh, let's say, uh, one judge had to do all, say, the large herds. Okay. He's travelled far along to get, and then uh, and another judge did the medium herd, and another judge did the small herd, and 
it all that's 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 how it, it all came together. Big, uh, big, big, big undertaking for anybody to take that on, which it always is with a herd competition. But uh, oh, sure, that's, I'd, I'd say there's thousands of miles to be travelled, isn't there? You know, for doing over off the road and back the road, up the road. Yeah. Is, you know. Well, certainly sounds like you've had a good weekend all round. As I said, winning at the rugby and and uh, and, and getting an average yeah. like that and getting that award as well, and uh, you're still yeah. strength to strength. And have you got sales of, of, of Herefords coming up there, or are you just selling a few at a time? Have you got a have you got an online or a sale that you're going to tell us about? Uh, we have no kind of what we call a, a big uh, public sale. We are uh, constantly selling uh, privately. Okay. Uh, just you know, so one here, one there. The next I suppose, the major kind of sale coming off of Hereford is the Genetic Gems. There's an annual event now. Mm-hmm. The same sale that we got the 22,000 from last year. Just, uh, okay. So uh, this year I have just embryos. I have a consignment of embryos uh, from uh, one uh, well-recognized well, well cow and the other one then we have for the first time uh, we have a, a Lancome Lucy. We we purchased Lancome Lucy from Boer Butcher's herd, uh, going back I don't know maybe four or five years ago from the designer jeans. At that time, it was, it was the, a record price of of twelve thousand guineas, and so we flushed her to a bull for fish Fisher one Jaguar, okay. and we have a, a really really good maiden heifer, uh, and so we're offering a flush. Offer her also okay. at the at the, the judicial and that's so. in November sometime, is it? Yes, yeah. Uh, I think first week in November. First week, oh, it's coming up very soon. Too. Well, I, I really appreciate you sounding like a busy man doing all that as well and managing most of that on your own as well. And uh, say fresh back from that weekend and still got to look after those efforts that have come back home. So I thank Matthew. Thanks very much for taking the time to to chat to us. And, and again, as I said, congratulations on 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 what you've achieved not just this weekend but and uh, where you've got to with with your cattle. Thank you too very much. It's a, it was a pleasure speaking to you. Well, I wish you all the best, as I said, with it with the up and coming sale as well. So, uh, you, you guys out there, the the jeans, did you call that again? The, not the designer jeans, no, what was it? The gem? It's called the genetic gems. Genetic gems, there. So, uh, anybody here for breeders, they're looking for some good embryos. Get yourself in there and get, your, get, get, get some shopping done for Christmas. <laughs> well, um, Matthew, thank you, thank you very much again, to, and uh, it's great speaking to you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Top Lines and Tales, your weekly livestock podcast. And as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Harbour, continued support. And uh, if you want to find out more about Harbour and what their range of nutrition and nutritional advice can do for you, then please contact uh, your local Harbour representative or look them up on the internet there and uh, and get in touch with uh, with Harbour. And uh, while you're there on the internet, don't forget to... Don't forget to join in on our Facebook community there where you'll find uh, a whole load of other people chatting about these, this and other episodes and there'll be photographs and various other information on Top Lines and Tales. <laughs>